You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. I'm back, back in the New York Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and welcome back to the New York Groove, Cranky Fan. Grump, we've been doing this show for how long? Four, five years? The first, I was actually just looking at our archive records uh, this morning. Uh, our first season with the team was 2017, so we have not yet until this year this is a just giants first seen a opening week win thanks for trampling over my line but yes <laughs> yeah no i mean I, i'm piggybacking i was uh, yeah. there, there, there was a set the spike and i, I actually exactly good job karch karai with the uh, with the spike but uh yeah pretty pretty uh it's pretty something it was a pretty miserable weekend for me probably it was shaping up to be one of my probably top five all-time worst sports weekends you know our my lord and savior anthony richardson came back crashing to earth on saturday night looking terrible we had two losses to the yankees over the weekend new york city fc lost and then the first half of this game looked pretty brutal and uh you know knocked out of three survivor pools came in i think second to last in a confidence pool for college football so it was a really crappy weekend and uh that final 30 minutes definitely, um, you know, it, it, it put some lipstick on a pig. That's for, that's for sure. So uh, we, this team's probably not going to the Super Bowl or probably not the playoffs, but at least we have one Sunday in September where we can be pretty excited about being Giant fans. My, how different our weekends were. Oh, uh, sucked. I, I mean, I had, a, I had a brilliant weekend. I was on my last real vacation of the year that is not football-related as we will be going to London week five, five, six, something like that soon. Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah, I was on my last vacation, went to South Carolina where it was nice and beautiful, and I spent my Friday, Saturday there watching college football and, and all that, and then went to North Carolina and uh, watched this game on Sunday, got to watch a win. It was a vacation for me, man. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, so Giants 21, Tennessee Titans 20. Uh, we get to talk shit, New Yorkers. This is what we what we probably do better than uh, do things well. Yeah, Giants Twitter is certainly a, uh, ablaze with over the last twenty four hours or so about uh, you know taking the victory lap for that one, and it's great. And you know, Grump, I've been saying all off season that you know I I expect this team to be you know a four or five win team. I'm looking forward to you know the rebuild and been building on and you know if this team falls flat on its face i'm gonna be okay but you know something with with three minutes left in a game in early september i was pumped and i was like i don't think about things like draft picks i don't think about tanking i don't think about any of that stuff it's you want to win and you want to win badly and and i was at a bar by the garden um went to pearl jam last night so i was out in that area and you know it's amazing how many people you know, we're out of the woodwork or giant fans. And, and when that, that field goal miss, you know, that Scott Norwood esque field goal went wide, uh, wide left, that place erupted. Like we just won the Super Bowl, So it was a great feeling. And, uh, you know, we'll take them whenever we can get them right now. It's been a long run the last couple of years. And again, this might be a rough year, but for right now, you, we can feel very happy about it and don't worry about it. You know, don't worry about the future for everything. You know that. Just enjoy it. That that that's my uh, that's my statement to everybody. Did it, absolutely. By the way, if you can't enjoy a win, uh, yeah, you know, especially a week one win, and it's such an exciting one like that. You know, well, yeah. right down to everything the wire. I was basically shitting my pants at the end. Yeah, everything can't be big picture. I mean, we're going to talk about Daniel Jones. We're I mean, talk it can about... be if you want to be miserable, fuck, and not right, enjoy it. Right, I mean, right. part of life and setting up for the future is enjoying the present, right? Uh, right? What's the point of setting up for the future at all times? You gotta live in the present just a little bit, and if you can't for two and a half hours exactly. on a Sunday, then you're just a curmudgeon. Exactly. But uh, but yeah, um, 
do you think did you get a feel or a vibe that uh somehow this game recaptured a uh that that same feeling that giants community felt that week three win uh in daniel jones's first year it was his first start and you know he played pretty well you know for a first start in that game and then it came down to you know, a, a screw up, and they were perfectly in, in uh, field goal position to win the game. And Matt Gay missed his kick, and you and I celebrated. And, and G- Giants Nation was like, "Daniel Jones is going to the Super Bowl." Uh, <laughs> and now I would say that, like, do you think that, like, maybe that that recaptured magic is is in uh, Brian Dable? You know, that did, did he recapture that kind of feeling from Giants community? You think? Uh. I mean, like the, the I, I games were fairly similar, and I feel like the uh, the afterglow feels the same. Is what I mean. I think it's different in the fact that that win in Tampa, you know, it was it was the very beginning of the Daniel Jones era. And to me, coaches come and go, but if you think you have a franchise quarterback, that's where you get really excited. I mean, that to me was like. Okay, maybe this was a good draft pick. Maybe this was, you know, people were some naysayers about drafting him so high. And like, what do we have here? You know, we didn't have, you know, the baggage like we do now of the last couple of years of things that were his fault and not his fault necessarily. So I, I think from the quarterback side, no, but from the coaching side, and I think some things we saw, you know, the, obviously going for it for the two point conversion, that is. You know, this team has been stale and not very aggressive and been pretty conservative for the last couple of years. And that to me was just a a signal to his team more than anything. You know, will he be that aggressive and going for two for wins when this team is legitimately a playoff team? Will he do this in a week 14 where a win is desperately needed? I don't know. But I think as far as building culture, building trust between coaching staff and team, I mean, forget the fans and forget the media. I think it's getting everything right in that room. I think that was huge. And, you know, who knows what the carryover will be into week two, three, four, week 14, year two or three. But I think when you're laying in the foundation, uh, that's the hope and excitement. I think that with this, you know, this team desperately needs. And I think that's what we got, at least on the short term. Wow. Uh, Really well said. Okay. Um, so before we get into this, into the the nuts and bolts of this game and break down what we want to talk about, um, this is something I want to do this year, and honestly, something we should have done from the start of the Joe Judge era is uh, every week I do want to kind of take a look at the coaching things. Uh, we mm-hmm. we do that anyway, I think, mm-hmm. but I'm going to make a more conscious effort to do it. So the coaching decisions from this game, I I thought. You know, I'm right there with you, Lockstep, because I, I thought there was a solid use of timeouts in this game. Um, he, he added uh, his first challenge, Brian Dable, um, as a head mm-hmm. coach, and he won it. It was a good challenge. Um, and I was a big fan of going for two for the win. Um, I, I, I feel like they were overall, for the majority of the game, kind of playing ahead of their skis a little bit. Tennessee was giving them things before we get too far into the game. Just generally speaking, they were kind of getting outplayed and hanging around. I'm. It didn't look like they were going to survive overtime. I would rather go for the kill. I called for the two-point... I mean, to nobody in particular. I was watching it with, with, <laughs> with family. But uh, I, right. I, was, I was saying then... Um, you know, I, I'm going for two here if I score. I, I want to win the game. I don't want to take this to overtime. So I thought that from a coaching standpoint, I felt very good about this game for Brian Dable. I, I want to know how, what you think, though. Um, I want to talk about the, the offensive game plan a little bit more when we talk about Daniel Jones. I think the two are connected. So I'm going to hold off on that for right now. Um, again, like I said, would I have gone for two if this game meant more with more on the line? Like if the season's on the line or the playoffs are on the line, I don't know. Uh, especially with this offensive line, especially you know with everything else going on, I just think again, doing it right now, where you know people are paying more attention to coaching moves because it's his first game, and I think you know it's more of a mission statement. So that's in that effect, I think there's really nothing to lose. I'm happy he did it. I think again, you're sending clear statements to everybody your team and around the league that this team might be more open than it was before 
That was my big thing. Brilliantly said. I love that. That, you know, you know, given the nature of this game, forget even what was on the line. It's week one of his his tenure ever. Um, and it really was a good mission statement. It was a statement to his team, to his coaches, and, and quite frankly, to the fans, right? Sure. I mean, yeah. I, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, I think the fans are a little secondary to this process of, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But, throwing that but, in at the end. But, you know, something for entertainment value, again, you know, we are invested so much as fans, you know, emotionally, financially, you know, all these different things where you want to be entertained as well as having a team that wins. And, you know, that's an exciting brand of football. That's that's kind of the – that's one of the things I said last year was we need to get – a general manager and a coaching staff to bring this team into the 21st century. I said we had fallen behind with how we played offense, all these different things where everybody's, you know, going forward on fourth down, going for two, go doing these type of things. And that's a, that's a clear signal to everybody that we are going to be kicking and screaming our way into the 21st century. Um, you know, message message sent out. Yeah. Um, well said. So you keep talking about the offense. Let's talk about the offense. Yeah, let's um, get into it. All right. So just generally speaking, I'm just going to kind of give my overview. You can jump in, give your thoughts, and I'll, I'll give my more detailed ones. But early on, the sputters were uh, – I guess that's kind of putting it lightly. But I, I do want to hone in on the fact that, like, you know, this is, this is now only the second season, or is this the first season with only three preseason games? You know, This is the second one. Yeah, so this is – I attribute some of this to kind of adjusting, to shaking off of rust, to getting into real game situations because they don't play preseason the way that they play the regular season. They don't do too much craziness. Um, you know. But there were also people missing assignments here or there. Jones wasn't seeing. Sometimes he wasn't trusting. Um, you know, there was – frankly, this team has depth issues. We talk about that all the time, so no, no – need to elaborate too much there, but on the offensive line, you know, they were kind of rotating in Ben Bredesen, Josh Azudu, two guys you don't want starting right now. Um, (laughs) And I'm not sure if it was due to adjusting at the half or shaking off the rust or some kind of combination of both, but the offense completely moved the ball differently in the second half. Now, obviously there was some adjustment there, but also blocks were suddenly looking a lot better as well. So, um, and it was against a very well coached and a very talented front seven. So that's not to be ignored either. So the offense had a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde to it, I think from a 900 foot view. So why don't you tell me what you think? Well, I mean, the first thing was we had a couple of things we haven't had in a long time and that were just big plays. You know, this, this offense is going to struggle, I think, trying to have 80, 90 yard drives to score every time. And if you can pop off a, you know, a huge run by Saquon Barkley, you know, a, a bomb by Daniel Jones and get huge chunk plays, you know, the the, uh, the bomb being a touchdown, that's a huge help for this offense. Um, I want to talk about the passing offense in Daniel Jones. Um my take on this was, and tell me if I'm completely crazy or not, but it felt to me like that the game plan was set up as if we almost had a backup quarterback playing. I mean, his numbers, you know, the completion percentage is very good, but the vast majority of those throws were very safe. They were kind of around the line of scrimmage. There was nothing. It was almost like if you, you're playing game manager and that's it. And, you know, even like the bomb that the shepherd was, you know, I, I, I don't think Daniel Jones played all that well. I think the numbers look better than what he actually did. You know, the bomb that Daniel to uh, Sterling Shepard wasn't a, a good throw. That's an easy touchdown. You know, he had to kind of slow down and kind of catch it on the side and had to avoid somebody to get in the end zone. Um, you know, the fumble on, on, on the, on the pressure, Again, it, it can't happen. The the fumble, the, the interception in the red zone is it's unforgivable. Um, I, I I just have the sense that, and I don't know how much this, and you could tell me how much you think this was 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 scheming against a particular opponent, but at this point, 
I think this coaching staff is coaching up Daniel Jones just to be at best a game manager, minimizing mistakes. And he's not a backup quarterback. He's not a rookie. We sh this sh offense should be a little more opened up than what we kind of saw with him, I think. And I think that's a problem. I, I, you know, how often were we throwing, you know, downfield? How often were we getting, you know, our main wide receivers involved when they're even on the field? We'll talk about that also next coming up. But I was just kind of disappointed that the passing offense was just so, so basic and just so protective. What, what do you think about that? So I would really need the all 22 film, which I don't have access to yet, um, to, to fully answer this question. Um, mm -hmm. I understand and kind of agree with what you're saying, and I can't, I can't fully agree or disagree with you without really looking at, at like the game film from that, from that end zone angle mm -hmm. and really look at the coverages. So, uh, but, I, but I understand what you're saying, and I see what you're saying. So um, Jones, and for me, is, is a fart. Um, I agree. And, yeah, yeah. So, so Jones was one of my farts for this. So, for those of you who are new to this podcast, this is something that we've done. I'm pretty sure since the very beginning, um, is we we give out awards per game, um, stars for you know good performances and and farts for bad performances, and you know we give them on varying unofficial levels of fart or star. Um, yeah. And, and it can be an individual person, it could be an entire unit, it could be a coach, it could be a referee, an announcer, it could be anything the hell we want. Um, it could be Grump for all we know. It could be me. It absolutely can be. So and far I'm pretty sure it has been. Yeah, oh, yeah so far you got to start. Um, so, so Jones, for me, he had a rough game. I think he did, and I'll say rough because it wasn't pathetic. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but he, you know, he did enough to get the win and he looked okay on the ground, but he had some iffy stuff like some batted balls. He had some rough stuff like missing David Sills wide open, just completely not seeing him. And then he had some unacceptable stuff. The red zone interception is to me unacceptable, especially at this point for him. I'm going to give him a pass on the fumble because that shit came in so fast from behind him. No quarterback should expect to be hit from behind that quickly. Um, yeah, but I mean that block know, was completely did, no. I, I dude, I, I I'm gonna give him a pass on that. No, one. I mean, no, no. What I'm saying is, that, you know, when he was about a foot and a half from him, about to get nailed, didn't you just know in the back of your mind he's fumbling this? Oh me, yes, yeah, but it, there's no way. And it was just as he's cocking back too. I mean, that's not the same as like him being in the pocket for you know a second and a half and having some front side pressure from the from the right side and he's waiting too long to get out of the pocket i mean that was a clear whiff from right. his blind side that just came in as he was coming back so it's that's one of those things where i could just see that being the statistic that gets added to his repertoire of fumbles or whatever but um Regardless, I mean, that is part of the theme with him. Now, as far as the game itself, the game planning with Daniel Jones, um, I I think they may have done that. I think some of this offense is predicated on just getting guys in space, even if that is underneath. Um, if guys aren't creating separation downfield, and again, I would need the All-22 to really confirm whether or not Daniel Jones was well, making the best decision or not. Uh, it's, it's a Mike Rabel defense. You know, I, I don't want to... I don't want to diminish what that is. I mean, that is a really talented and a really well-coached defense. So I'm not going to necessarily say that they are putting all kinds of airbags and training wheels on Daniel Jones just yet after week one. I will understand what you're, what you're looking at, but I think also, you know, they're dealing with depth issues all over the place. They have wide receivers that have barely even done anything in training camp because they were hurt. They have a whole new offensive system that they're bringing in. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that I'm ready to make that assumption yet. I'm it's it, but it bears watching, right? It certainly it, it gave me the perception to me at least. And again, well, let's just see in weeks two, three, and four how that bears out. But like, if you didn't know any better, you just got somebody off the street doesn't know the first thing about the Giants, you know, and you told them, hey, our backup quarterback's playing today. They believe it, not on the quality of the play, just the way well, both. he was kind of managed. Um, you said, you know, this is an offense. They want to try to get, you know, guys in space and let them do their thing. Well, I guess that begs the question, which everybody's asking is, well, the guy who does that the best spent almost every play in this game on the sidelines watching. I'm talking about Kadarius Tony. 
I, I mean, I think this one's fairly obvious. There could be something further, but the, the dude has not been healthy all spring, summer. It's I a brand new offense, and, and he did have a package of plays that, that were gimmicky, and gimmicky is easy to learn. That's the thing. You know, take this handoff, run around the corner, do your thing. Take this handoff, look downfield for a throw. If it's not there, pull it down, run, do your thing. He had a couple of routes. You know, it's just, I, I don't – I wasn't really super worked up in the moment like everybody else was in the first half. I don't think I tweeted anything about it, but I don't – I wasn't really losing my mind about it because it's not really all that insane to me. Well, here's my thing. It's like even if you only have a specific package of plays, and if we're saying that just because he's been banged up so much, well, so is other guys like Kenny Galladay has been banged up or other guys who have been hurt, they're on the field. Um, even if you only have a specific set of plays, have him out there running as a decoy at least. No, I'm not saying that. I, I think it's more like just the fact that I don't think he's there as comfortable with him running. Right, like I don't think that he's shown enough in practice that they trust him in the offense. Yeah, I just think he hasn't learned it. Kenny Galladay may have been hurt, but he's been running all preseason, all training camp. I think they trust him to run the right routes and be in the right spot. That's what I mean. Yeah, but I think I just think he's got so much talent that I think you can, you know, okay, he doesn't I mean he doesn't know all the routes or stuff, but he's having just out there, and again, for nothing else, is a decoy, something you have to kind of, you know, pay attention to if you're if you're you know, you're the guy with the the green helmet, uh, the green dot on your helmet, like account for this guy, even if they even bother going to him. I don't know. I and I was thinking about it too. It's like well. Somebody said, well, maybe he's just in the doghouse. I'm like, well, think of the other guys that were potentially in the doghouse. They're not on this team anymore. I mean, they had the opportunity to get rid of him, and they didn't. He's still here. Where guys like um, – That's what I mean. I, I really just – I don't think he's in the doghouse. I think they – I don't think so either. I just I just think that they, they want guys out there they can trust. And I, I can see what you're saying about putting him out there as a decoy. But also it's like now you're just putting somebody out there that's not even part of the progression – Whereas in, instead you could have somebody else that can be open. You know, it, you know, we maybe laugh about the roster and how David Sills is on it or something, but David Sills was screaming wide open on one play, would have had a long bomb if Jones was paying attention. Mm -hmm. Chris Myrick, you know, we can laugh about him, but this dude had a fucking touchdown in this game. Yeah. So, you know, I can see the flip side of being like, I'm not putting a decoy out there. I'll put somebody out there who's going to catch the ball, runs around, knows where he's going. Yeah, but it also, I mean, still <laughs> – you could just have him run like an out or just something basic. I mean, it's still – if yeah, he's running through his progressions he and he's and, open, you can still throw if, to him. He's like you can't catch. I, I don't know. Some, something but, is just odd. And, but you're, you're missing the point. What if what if they have to call an audible? Then they have to call a fucking timeout because now uh, Joe Schmo doesn't know the playbook? You know what I mean? Like, I think I think they're going – If he's that far coach, gone, if well, he's that, that far not even knowing the playbook, I mean if, it's one thing to – know the playbook and the second thing to be able to practice and execute the playbook he just doesn't know the playbook i'm talking about like he's a fucking moron and he needs to be cut well i don't know i don't know what to tell you i, I yeah I, I think that i just think that they didn't trust him because he hasn't put in the work yet he's just been off um i don't know hmm. on the flip side shepherd hasn't done jack shit and he played so you know yeah know. How, how does how, how does all of a sudden know the uh the whole playbook did they trust him i i well, I think maybe when he went out there, maybe he did better. He he was where he was supposed to be, et cetera. I don't know. We're not at practice practicing it's, stuff. So. It seems I, – I don't know. I, something is – there is something missing from this, whether he's – there's something that physically why he can't be out there or – I don't know. If if he's in the doghouse, I think they would have got rid of him. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like that would be moral negligence to put him out there if there was something physically he couldn't be out there. For. Well, then it would explain it, though. I mean, I, I could buy that. I would, I would hope not. There's though. something wrong with him. I don't want him on the field. Uh, and that would make sense. But they're I, not I mean, saying. Also, it's, it's, it's a new coaching staff. You know, I don't blame them for just being like, no, dude, you didn't. You, you haven't been at practice and you're, I don't know. You know what I mean? And just being like, no, until you until you do this, you're not getting playing time. I don't know. It, it it does kind of strike me as maybe maybe Tony's not the uh, hardest working at practice. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, There's got to be something. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think there has to be. That's the thing. There could be. I think there very well likely will be, but I don't think there has to be. I think that is a good enough reason. 
But whatever. On the flip side, um, let's talk about Saquon Barkley because that was way more Tony talk than I wanted to do. Um, Let's talk about that high draft pick. 194 total yards, 18 carries for 164 and a touchdown, six catches for 30 yards and a two-point conversion. I thought in this game he showed some really good vision. I thought he also ran into contact well when he did, uh, when he he chose to do so, when it was appropriate. Um, But he was cruising for a fart. By the way, he was a star. Um, He was cruising for a fart. It's it's, it's amazing – it's amazing how devastating one thing can be because I don't. He certainly wouldn't have gotten a star from me if uh, he fumbled on that big play down the that that set up the win. Um, he's lucky that that fumble bounced forward and out of bounds because on the other big run of the of the game that he had, the sixty eight yard run, he had the ball in the wrong hand. He has it on his inside hand. I know running backs don't like to change hands when they're running especially full speed because they have a tendency to to lose control of the ball but i was always taught ball on sideline hand always mm-hmm. or 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 two hands on and you could see that coming from a mile away that thing was getting punched out footballs bounce in the strangest ways there the, that game could have been a heart the, just the typical bullshit giants heartbreaker on that <laughs> one stupid fucking mistake alone nevertheless he got lucky. He's a star for me. I would have downgraded him from a star to a nothing with the fumble. They would have lost the fumble because I just, again, you know, especially after even at the first quarter where this offense could do nothing behind this offensive line to do what he did and to show he's 100% back. I, I, and also, I, I, I just, it's pretty remarkable and it's, it's really great. I mean, yeah, a fumble would have pretty much negated all the good feeling for it, but I don't know. I would, I'm just, I I'm just being a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's um, why but, you're a grump. <laughs> yeah. But I, I thought, you know, I mean, in addition, I, I'm going to loop in the uh, the run blocking in with Barkley. Well, for that star, I want to say one more way. thing. One more thing just about, you know, the thing that really impressed me about him was just the overall consistency of the run game. I mean, he had that 68-yard run. Is that what it was, 68 yards? You take that out, he still almost ran for six yards a carry. So it wasn't like a – you know, a Barry Sanders, two yards, one yard, minus three, 87 yards, three yards type of performance. He was running consistently well the entire game. And that is what, you know, this offense is definitely going to need because I am pretty sure you know, you're going to see, you know, game. There's going to be tape of this game going around really quickly and seeing what, you know, the limited amount of what the passing game is. They're going to be t- keying up on him and we'll just see what they have to do. You couldn't be more right about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you're absolutely right. Barkley had an insane day. Um, you know, the run blocking, it was the best we've seen in a while. We we noticed it in preseason and then training camp. We could see right away this team's going to be able to run the ball. Um, mm-hmm. But in a game, we haven't seen that level of running lanes in forever. And they weren't always the desired lane. They were cutback lanes at times. But we – Barkley hasn't really ever gotten a chance to just be running north and south when he's finally got a defender in his face. Most of the time, he's only just gotten the ball. Um, <clears throat> so it's amazing how different it is and how different he looks, in addition to another year removed from being hurt, at the, mm-hmm. you know, improvements in the offense in general, etc. Um, and it wasn't a... Um, it, I mean, it was a, it was a really good performance for the offensive line from the run-blocking standpoint, but it wasn't absolutely perfect. Uh, like I said, the left guard spot was a rotating door, and I'm giving a the weakest of farts I can give out here to Josh Izudu. Um, yeah, I thought that you know, I first of all I thought that he shouldn't play almost like at all this year, very sparingly. I thought maybe he should use. Um, they're kind of in a tough spot where he's got to play, but I thought he moved well, and oftentimes in the second half he did just enough to spring things open. Um, he had a really great block on Barkley's touchdown. I think he handled Simmons one-on-one just enough for Shepard's touchdown. But he was not very good to start off, and he looked at fault on the sack fumble early on. Uh, tough task with the with the Tennessee front, you know, but he's a kid who will need some time to grow. And uh, it looks like maybe he'll learn trial by fire. I don't know yeah. if we have any more inf- it, info it, on Lemieux. It's the NFL. I mean, he's going to face good defensive lines and, and all sorts of exotic things coming at him every single week it's not going to get any easier um i have him as a silent but deadly fart <laughs> i guess um you know he's you're right he was in a tough spot 
I don't know. Um, again, I'm going. I'm thinking about film, and I'm thinking about what's going to happen going forward. Are we going to see, you know, defenses creeping up on the line of scrimmage more and more until we have a proven passing game, one that's open up up a little more than we saw this week? Um, it's going to be more difficult for this offensive line. Um, having Evan Neal on that right side is a huge anchor for this run game. And, uh, you know, him and Andrew, and Andrew Thomas gets a star. I think, I think he played a great game. Having those two is really going to help a guy like Barkley. No, no doubt. Um, yeah, I was really impressed with the run bike and, uh, one last star I'm going to give out here for the offense. I'm giving one to Richie James and I'm giving it to him. Yeah. Partially because, uh, you know, here's he's a dude who we all thought was like, oh, he's making the roster because he's making plays. But coming in, he, he really had to fight for his spot. And here he was, five for six for 60 yards. Uh, and it, it, he really looked like he belonged on an NFL team out there. He really was uh, Jones's favorite target, I think, other than Barkley. Um, and the one incompletion to him was a short throw by Jones that he actually almost corralled. Right. Um, I thought he played a great game. In, in addition, on special teams, I thought he played pretty well returning punts. Um, I, I'm giving Richie James a star, man. That was a, that was an NFL performance for him. That was good. I have him down as a star also. I thought um, – we. I said this during training camp. Um, he reminded me a little bit of Victor Cruz a little bit. Same number, you know, just the guy from nowhere that's you know, making plays, and let's see what happens when the season starts. And you're right. There seems to be a chemistry with him. And uh, you know, until we know for sure what's happening with Kadarius Tony, we'll see how long Wondell Robinson's going to be out. You know, having him as someone we can maybe rely on is really, really going to help this offense out. You know, is a bridge to those guys are really in the offense, or he forces his way to be a guy who's in the, the wide receiver rotation going forward, even when they're back. So very, very encouraging. Yeah, I'm excited to see uh, him continue to grow in this offense and Daniel Jones to start throwing to him a little bit more. I got nothing more for the offense. You want to flip to the defense? Uh, yeah, let's go to defense for sure. I thought the defense looked good overall, uh, having handled Henry to what they did and uh, given the red the red zone stop as well. Um, Tennessee did a lot of the, – the, Tennessee did a lot of work for them. Uh, early in the game, they, they were butterfingers left and right. There were some dog mm-hmm. shit throws from Tannehill. Um, the struggles and weaknesses are getting exploited in the second half and, and pretty badly. Uh, Tannehill had a good statistical day uh, despite errant throws and a lot of drops. So that's kind of bad. Uh, it would have been a much better statistical day for him had none of those things happened. He went 20 for 33 uh, for 266 yards and two touchdowns. This defense will need to get better, but they did pretty well. I felt... You know, the ability to run the ball and, you know, on the offensive side gave this defense a little time to catch some air and get some breath. Like the problem we've seen with this defense over the last couple of years, the offense has been so bad that they're out of gas by the fourth quarter. And I didn't sense that in this game. No. So um, it was certainly trending that way early on. Uh, Early on, it could have been a disaster. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, I was getting really nervous. But and that's a credit to both the offense and the defense. Uh, the defense first was able to start hanging on. Actually, was was never really performing bad in the beginning to start with, um, but the offense picking up the time of the time of possession almost evened out. I think it was like thirty one twenty eight or something like that. Exactly, exactly, um, and that's a win for us after the, the last couple of years. Like I oh said, oh my god, it's huge. And you got to remember something too about this defense that you know talking about Tannehill's numbers and stuff. It you got to remember our two best pass rushers did not play. And that changes a lot. That changes, you know, you're giving a, a quarterback a little more time than he might have had if Thibodeau would have played or uh, Aziz Alari would have played. I mean, big, big, big difference. And when you're be able to kind of just stand back there a little bit more than you would have, you'd expect better numbers. So given the, the, the fact those two weren't there and the pass rush could be generated as much as we'd hoped for, I think they did a good job. I, uh, I gave a, fu- uh, a star to the front seven. The entire mm-hmm. front seven, I think, played really, really well, and I don't even know who the front seven is because so many guys were subbing in and out. We have so many DBs on the field, but you get mm-hmm. my point. They limited Derrick Henry to 82 yards on 21 carries without their starting edge rushers. 
You know, it, it was like yeah. the two things that we were the most proud of on this defense because, you know, we didn't really have anything at the, the corner number two. And, you know, we don't really know even what we're doing with safety number two. And we just traded away our starting linebacker. You know, the two things you could hang your hat on were Aziz Ojalaria and Kayvon Thibodeau and, and Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence. And two of those guys of those four that I just mentioned were out. Mm-hmm. Um, they also limited to Tannehill to only seven yards rushing. We mentioned Tannehill as a running threat in this in this offense coming into the game. And the biggest thing for me that really solidified this front seven absolutely earned the respect of the Tennessee Titans because in the fourth quarter on third and one, the Titans ran a tight end sweep for negative yardage instead of running it to Derrick Henry up the middle. That says all I need to know about what Tennessee thought of the day that they had. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I noted that I have it on my notes right here at that play. It's just, uh, you have the best running back in football. You need a yard. What are you doing? Why are you getting fancy? I don't, not only do you need a yard, you have two downs to do it. If you get, you know I mean? If Mm -hmm. Derrick Henry only gets, you know, two feet out of the one yard, you have another yeah. down where you, you're like, it's fourth and inches. I'm going to go for it. But but doing the tight end sweep, they lost like three yards on it. That took them out. That's it. We're punting now. So right. that was a massive gamble on their part when they have what you'd consider the sure and good, thing. And a good job by the defense to be aware of that too because, you know, I guess everybody on the planet expected Henry would barrel ahead for a yard and, you know, to adjust on the fly to, you know, now, smoke that out is a good job at the defense. Protect those edges. And and stopping the run is something that Wink Martindale said from the moment he came in. Um, and, uh, you know, he said that a lot. Uh, and they, they certainly invested in keeping defensive tackles on the roster. But I just wasn't sure I was going to believe it, especially in this first week against Derrick Henry. But I'm a believer in him stopping the run now. Yeah. At least yeah. at least insofar as when the team has a really good running back. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have to hand out a fart to a defender, though, and it's the loudest, stinkiest fart I'm giving out in this game, and it goes to Darnay Holmes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a really tough matchup task with uh, rookie Kyle Phillips, who is very shifty and a good receiver, um, and he's going to have to play man coverage, and it's just not one of his strengths. So regardless, he got cooked, and he was a flag machine, and most critically on the final drive. Uh, it just, you know, I said this last week two weeks ago whenever we we brought in fabian moreau i can see a scenario in which they feel fabian moreau is more of a boundary corner than aaron robinson and that aaron robinson is just a better fit at nickel uh, i think that that could still happen and i i just generally don't think that they like darnay holmes too much on this defense yeah uh, he's just not a man cover corner he's an excellent zone slot corner but i don't know that's not we're going to be running that much here so um uh, special teams wise, I mean, do you have anything else defense you want to mention? No, I'm ready to get the fart machine going since we're talking about special teams. Okay, so special teams still not looking great. It's one of the things that has collectively, as a unit, looked bad since the beginning of training camp. Um, collectively, it's looked horrible. The preseason games, they were letting returns go all the way up to sideline left and right. Um, it's still not looking great, but it is seeing some positivity since preseason. The bad snap on the on the PAT is unacceptable. It just is. It, that can't happen. Um, that said, Gillen punted like a bazooka in this game. I was um, going to give him a star in a you know, an island of star and an ocean of fart of special teams, <laughs> honestly, because I he was blasting punts and yeah, holy shit, flipping they, field position. Yeah, that was it was not even getting like recognition really from. The, the TV staff or anything, but also, you know, one of the huge problems was punt coverage. And, and some of that was pretty uh-huh. good in here. McLeod looked, had a massive wall up on somebody, Julian love and, and some others had good punt coverage. Also, there was the fumble recovery, you know, the, the muffed punt, uh-huh. uh, by I think Kyle Phillips and, you know, McLeod was there again. And Jason Pinnock, I'm not Pinnock came up with the ball, but I think McLeod's the one who jumped on it. Um, and, and some punk coverage was bad. I think Matt Breda on one play early on lost contain really badly and let something go up the sideline. But also, you know, the punt and kick returns, I thought they were okay. Richie James and, and uh, Gary Brightwell, I thought they looked okay. But, you know, that one massive thing, that PAT, that can't happen. It just it just overshadows all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> There's nothing more you can really say about that. It's just like it's like Daniel Jones, like you have the pick in the end zone, kind of it dwarfs everything else. Well, you know, a, a, losing a point like that in a game like this, it could mean so everything. You, know, yeah. you don't know the butterfly effect of it, but yeah, it's unforgivable. Um, I've got really nothing else to award. Um, is it time to go around the NFC East? No, I, I think I want to give a, a star to, to Dable. And okay. All right. Go too. for it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. I, again, I, I, I already spelled it out a little earlier, but to me, that going for two said so much about, you know, his confidence in this team. I think his confidence in just what he saw throughout the game. I think as he saw the, the running game, you know, I, I think he saw a defense a little bit on its heels. And I think, you know, it was the right time to do it. And again, the perfect time to send a message to everybody. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. I also like the fact that he got into Daniel Jones ear after that pick. I think, you know, at some point, maybe you stop babying people. And sometimes you got to kind of said to him straight, uh, you know, he definitely gave him an earful after that. He's like, and I think the, the transcript afterwards was, he said something like, what did you see? And Daniel Jones said, he saw something go, well, that's not what I saw. So, you know, it's good to, you know, a little tough love, but he did end it like on a positive, like, okay, the defense is going to get you the ball back. So let's go. So I, I, I think that, um, you know, when was the last head coach here to win his first game? <laughs> ben, the hair, the suit, McAdoo. McAdoo did win his first game. Yeah. Okay. But it hasn't happened much around here lately, winning games in September. And, um, you know, it would have been a tough game to lose because, he hits that field goal, it would be just a game that they lost in the last minute and, you know, gave yep. away at the end. So, you know, narratives mean everything. And, you know, we're not booking our flights to, uh, you know, Phoenix just yet. And uh, and I'm certainly not going to take each play, each game as a referendum on this season and the future of this team. But, you know, for a couple of days, you can feel good about yourself and, we haven't had much to feel good about in a long, long time for this team. So I'm going to give him a star for, uh, you know, getting the job done and getting the W. Yeah, you know what? That that's a miss on my part. He deserves a star. Mm -hmm. um, but let's swing around the NFC East because now we are relevant. Um, let's <laughs> let's just start with the biggest news one because the other two I don't really care that much about. But Dallas getting the shit kicked out of them by Tennessee, kind of. Tampa um, Bay. Uh, yeah, sorry, Tampa Bay. Yeah, nineteen to three. Dallas now 0 and one with a conference loss, um, and Dak could be out six to eight weeks. He's got a thumb fracture. Um, Someone did say on this show last week that uh, Tampa Bay and Dallas would not make the playoffs. And Tampa Bay didn't really look that good, or Dallas's defense looked insane. I, I'm not really sure which it kind of was. I'm not buying it. Now I'm gonna be. To be fair, I did not watch this game. I was at Pearl Jam, like I said, but I was getting reports constantly, you know, during the show and everything. Um, you know, if Dak is out for six to eight weeks, this is not. This is not a playoff team. This is a team that would have, you know, probably would have sneaked in to the playoffs with Dak at optimal, you know, performance. But without him. This team could potentially lose nine, ten games. I, I, I don't like this roster. I don't like the coaching staff. We've had debates since the show has started about Dak. How good we think both of us think he is. Um, but without him, Cooper, what the hell is this? Cooper Rush? Cooper Rush. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we we can argue about how good Dak Prescott is or isn't, but having a backup play in place of him is always going to be worse. I mean. Uh, we, we agree on that. And let's not get ahead of ourselves. You know, we still have to play Carolina this week. It didn't look very impressive at all. We could be going into that game 2-0 and playing Dallas on a Monday night. We could, but again, like you said, our film is out there, and we didn't look spectacular on offense. And again, on defense, even though they did play well containing Derrick Henry, they got a lot of favors early on from Tennessee with bad throws and some awful butterfingers. Yeah. So, the, the you know, I'm not really I'm not me. even skipping ahead to shit. You know, I'm not oh, I know. I'm not I know. I'm not swinging my dick around for Carolina just oh. yet. We haven't done that preview episode yet. I'll I mean, I'll, there, I'll talk my shit. There's back. two things I could be pretty sure of from watching games around, you know, yesterday and today is that uh 
Geno Smith will be figured out very, very quickly with tape after seeing after tonight's game. And I think this this offense will be very easily figured out if they are going to be such you know game managers on the on the passing side of. Uh, I'm I just kept thinking that over and over again of like you know that this is going to be schemed very quickly in there. This has to be opened up more. So you know uh, if they have concerns about um, Kadarius Tony. You know, Wandell's going to be out for any period of time. You know, Kenny Galladay still pretty much a nowhere man. That has to change because they're going to load the. They're going to see Saquon having a game like he did. He's going to be the talk of the of the league for a week. Defenses are going to key on stopping him and challenging this offense and challenging this quarterback to beat them in the air, beat them over the top. Um, and until we see that, I'm going to be very concerned. That's a concern for next Sunday, not right now. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, but that said, uh, Dallas's defense did look a little scary, um, and uh, mm-hmm. so they, they that I'm not I'm not really losing my head just yet. But I mean, it certainly helps things just seeing Dallas not do well. Will so, Mike McCarthy finish the season? Yeah, I mean that's the thing too, and and who gets elevated then you know i said dan quinn to you but is it possible that it's kellen moore it doesn't matter because i think they're going to throw the book uh, throw the the checkbook at uh, sean payton for next year yeah so it doesn't really matter who that it, it, let's put so this i wonder it, i wonder if kellen moore will shake loose next year it's possible yeah i mean i i think uh you know if they're making the change and they're going to launch mccarthy it's because this team is out of it so it doesn't really matter they're not going to you know it's not someone to, to, to get them over the hump into the playoffs this year. Um, that's a good question. you know. If, but, of, of course, unless they – well, let me just backtrack to answer your question. If they could throw the checkbook at Sean Payton, if Sean Payton doesn't want to come, that's what you think about. Will Kevin Moore be elevated and become the head coach next year? Yeah, well, I would think that – yeah, I don't know. I would I, think. I guess maybe my strategy would be I'll elevate Kellen Moore because then he's my. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and I don't care. Fuck him. Um, <laughs> Eagles. The Eagles beat Detroit, but only by three. I didn't watch this game. I still haven't watched this game. I have seen what Detroit looks like, so I thought that was kind of shocking that it was only a three-point game. I don't know if you were able to watch this game, but Philly gets a conference win, which actually technically technically puts them ahead of us in the standings. Um, I saw part of it on the plane, uh, but the problem is that you know the the uh, the satellite TV on a plane is about four minutes behind real life, so. I was getting texts on my phone or, you know, tweets about things that are happening. And at the end of a drive, when I was just seeing the beginning of a drive, so it was a little weird to see. Um, and the commanders beat Jacksonville. I, well, I, oh, sorry, I, I guys. Guess one thing I was going to say, you know, James Bradbury getting a pick six, I'm sure, really made a lot of people who listen to this show very happy. Uh, yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Bummer. Uh, if it was that close of a game that they could have lost, it would have been awesome to see a conference loss for a division rival. But whatever. We we, we assumed that that game was right. Our, our NFC East, aside from the Giants game, our predictions were spot on. Um, the Commanders beat Jacksonville 28-22. Uh, Washington is now 1-0, same as us, with an out-of-conference win. Uh, we, we kind of assumed this. Jacksonville is going to be kind of weird for me to figure out as the year goes on because they did just throw money at random names and then hire Doug Peterson. But they always, and they have Trevor Lawrence. Like I just can't discount that, I guess. I don't know. I I've always been very high on Trevor Lawrence. I think he's the type of quarterback that they might sneak a win or two just because of his talent. But, you know, eight or nine wins is seems like a real long shot. And again, we're both not Doug Peterson fans, so He's not a magic maker. He's not going to turn this team around instantly to be a, a playoff contender. It's going to take some time. I've got nothing else. Ready to wrap? It's been a long weekend, and uh, you know all sorts of emotions from ugly to, to happy at the very end. So, you know, we may look back in ten weeks from now if we're, you know, two and eight and being like, that seems so long ago. But you know, it's again winning on opening day. It's something we haven't felt around here. 
in quite a while, and it gives us hope. You know, just uh, you know, enjoy wins like that. You know, like we said earlier, don't you know, don't have every play and every game be a referendum on you know the state of this team for the rest of the year or the quarterback or the price of tea in China. Go eat Sunday. Go to the tailgate. Have a good time. Go watch the game. Root for us to win. Be excited. And if they don't, we'll move on to next week. That's all I can say. And a game like this kind of reminds myself personally because I've been so you know, very vocal about I have no problem tanking this year and knowing this is really the first year of the major rebuild. But I also like I also love winning and I hate losing too. So this just kind of reminded me of that. Dang. Uh, what a what an outro! This <laughs> is a, a really good conclusion paragraph there. Um, but yeah, enjoy this. Like I said, we spend all off season talking about the future. This is the regular season. Live in the present for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump. Follow the show at just giants pod, and uh, follow the cranky fan on Twitter at the cranky fan. And of course, his other podcast for college football and Rays baseball FL yeah. teams. If you thought this was a happy uh, happy recap, I'm about to uh, hit stop on record on this and hit play on record on my other show, and that will not be as exciting and not as happy and rainbows and puppy dogs. That's gonna be that's gonna be a bloodletting. So um, go to the if you want to hear my thoughts on what the hell happened to Anthony Richardson and my Florida Gators. Go to the FL Teams channel on YouTube. Uh, sometime tomorrow that will be up, and you'll hear my thoughts. Yeah, and that is stuff that Giants fans should pay attention to. So Mm -hmm. I highly recommend doing that. All right, we will see you guys on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Next, or this upcoming Friday with our next game preview against the Carolina Panthers, our home opener, our, our homecoming, you know, whatever. We're ready to bring out the booze and... We're ready to be at L17, and we're ready to uh, see all our Smash friends. Smash bottles, and... jump on tables, and start fires. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. <laughs> all right, everyone. See you. Go Giants. Go Giants.